Andrew is a joy to be around. It's really good to have him aboard. So, also great staff uh, that uh, covered for uh, me, uh, being gone longer than intended. Uh, it's fabulous to have a team that can carry the load and make things happen. I'm excited about today. We are starting a new series called I Am a Servant. And the subtitle today is, Is It My Nature to Serve? Is It My Nature to Serve? I'm gonna jump right in with a story. It's, and before I start that story, I wanna give you a visual so you can picture a little something in that story. And here's the visual on the screen. <clears throat> Try to guess which one of those guys is me. <laughs> and uh, it's a story about my childhood. A little, a few years later than this, I couldn't find a picture to share with you at the age of the uh, event of that story. Um, the, the thing about that picture is that, uh, for those of you who are new here, I, I grew up um, eight of my childhood years in Japan while my parents served 16 years in Japan as missionaries. And uh, my parents did an awesome job of raising five children. I, we never compared notes, but I'm pretty sure I was the child, the fourth of five children that was in trouble the most. Um, and I'm sure I, I really made my parents pull their hair out with my mischievous, uh, fun-loving, uh, totally blind to consequences kind of things that I constantly was doing. And one particular time, and, and before I get into the particular story, I believe that my parents probably thought, how do we get through to this one? You know, they kept sharing life lessons with me to try to shape me and change me, and it just, I'm sure it felt like I was never gonna learn. But here I am, here to tell you that there was a lesson that I learned. Some 54 plus years later, I still remember the lesson, and so I wanna just share a little bit about the circumstances around that lesson. I was doing what I always did, and kind of into life for me, and uh, being the fourth of five kids, they go Tim, Sharon, Mary, then Jim. At this point, it was Jimmy. Please stay with Jim. <laughs> and my little brother, Bill. And uh, hanging out with my little brother, Bill, I would often uh, kind of dominate and uh, make everything happen around me, whether it was with my little brother or with my older siblings, because that's kind of my nature. And, uh, in the middle of all of that, my, my dad stopped me and Bill and uh, gave me one of those life lessons. I always would prefer that his life lesson would be a quick spanking and be done and we be past it. But he often, of the two parents, would be the one that would give me the talk. And, and always felt worse than a spanking. I would prefer the quick, let's be done with it spanking and go on kind of thing. But he did not raise his voice. He did not shout, he just talked to me, and I felt in his demeanor that this was so important, I needed to listen. 
Now, here I am, again, 54 plus years later, remembering not word for word what he said, but the gist, and it still has a continuing impact on my life. So if ever you feel like you're never getting through and you have no impact on your kids, remember, sometimes that impact is a seed that's planted and it's dormant and it takes a long time to germinate but then it sprouts, and then it bears a harvest. My dad took me aside with disappointment in his voice to tell me how I shouldn't be so selfish and unsharing and uncaring with my little brother. And it went in one ear, and from my dad's vantage point and mine at the time, it went out the other ear, because that behavior did not change. But the story that my dad told me stuck. He told me, now Jimmy, when I was a child, not much older than you, I had to go to work to help provide money for the family to survive. I did not have a daddy at home that was able to give us everything we needed. I had to take care of my little brothers. And he was not the oldest in the family, but he began to take a role, even as a child, to live as if he was a man in the household. And I heard, I've heard from my uncles how much they admired him throughout his childhood years and his teen years, even before he went off to the service, how he was the figure for them to try to live up to. And my dad was telling me about a difficult time in his growing up, and he was exasperated. He was asking me, Jimmy, please, grow up. The title today is, Is It In My Nature To Serve? You might think that this story would the moral of the story is it was not in Jimmy's nature to serve. Uh, you might think that's the moral of the story, but the reality is it's in everyone's nature to serve. The problem is when that very nature that we've been made to serve gets twisted. And so on the screen is the first quote for today to get us started. That it's your very nature to serve. If you do not serve the right thing, you will serve the wrong thing. It took me so long to learn to serve. Just ask my wife, Gina. <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> because what is she gonna say? Now, he, he's just like that picture you saw. <laughs> he's still just as mischievous. He's still a child. He's still self-centered. I mean, in many ways, still that lingers. But there is a trajectory that was painted for me by a father who lived out this trajectory that helped me see what it looks like to be more like Jesus. Because in our created nature, God designed human beings to be servants of God and other people. 
But from the time frame of Adam and Eve, there was a failure to serve God. And when you fail to serve God, you will serve, but you will serve the wrong thing. And you'll begin to serve yourself or something else. And that serving becomes an enslavement and a slavery that's not freeing. And so we're gonna be talking about how you are a servant, how do we live up to the servanthood that God has designed us for and Jesus showed us what it looks like and that's what this series is all about. We're gonna get a jump start on some definitions right away and jump into this message with point number one. True serving is self-giving love. True serving is self-giving love. Jesus came to serve. Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served. This is Jesus' own words, speaking a title that he used for himself more than any other title. Uh, there's a reason for that. We won't get into that right now. But to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. Now, we're gonna take a little closer look in a moment at what he came to serve and how he came to do that. We're gonna just get there in a little bit. What I want us to just see is that true service is self-giving love. He came to serve and give his life. It's self-giving as a ransom for many. So there's true service. That's what we're designed for, self-giving love. There is another kind of service. It is serving, but it's serving the wrong thing, so we're gonna call it, point number two, counterfeit serving. And counterfeit serving is selfie service, okay? Now, what is selfie service? Maybe you've seen it. I haven't, because I'm not involved in social media. I was for a short bit, and I decided that's not gonna work for me, and got out of it. And uh, because of all that I am involved in, that thing doesn't work for me. But if it's working for you, you don't wanna go here, where a serving moment becomes a selfie moment that you post for others to see and you go, look at us, we just did this, click. What do you think of that? Jesus had a lot to say about that kind of selfie service that's self-serving in your service rather than really serving. And so we're gonna read a little bit about that. These are Jesus' words. Watch out for this kind of service. Matthew 6, 2 through 4 says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So don't do any service for the purpose of being seen by others. Otherwise, you will have already received your reward. God says, if you will do it for the right reasons, there's actually a reward that you're gonna get that's beyond that. 
and you need to be serving for the right reasons, the reasons that Jesus would serve for, to be self-giving and self-giving with love. Not to be looked at by others and liked by others and approved by others and compared with others, but to become more like Jesus. Now, this is the understatement of the year. <clears throat> Serving like Jesus is challenging. Okay? Here's another understatement of the year. Self-serving is easy. If you're gonna go the direction of easy, and you're gonna go the direction of what kinda comes naturally to you, maybe I'm just speaking as Jimmy here, then that's the easy route. The challenging route is the self-giving love that looks more like serving like Jesus. So why is it that that kind of serving is so hard? Here's the question that I wanna ask. What makes it hard to serve others? Now, a lot of people have been asked that question on surveys and stuff. I'm gonna boil it down to two reasons. And I'm gonna put them in this order. What makes it hard to serve others? Number one, others. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are in the service industry and you get that. There are some people that you have to serve in the service industry or in your business or you gotta be nice to that they're totally not nice and they're not easy to serve. They're the most challenging reason for you being serving them. Number two, ourselves. Now, I put it in this order, others is the most challenging reason. That's how we look at it. If I'm to be really, really bone honest with myself, the most challenging reason to serve others is not others. The most challenging reason to serve others is me. Here's why. There was not an ugly person, a mean prickly person, a vengeful person, an enemy of Jesus that Jesus didn't serve. Jesus, while hanging on the cross, dying for the very ones that are crucifying him, served them by giving himself for them, and he was praying for them, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And to me that says the barrier that makes it hard to serve other people is not other people, it's me. I'm still self-serving. And I need the Spirit of God to help me. And the God who is over all who are in the faith is not only over all, but he's living through all and in all, is by his Spirit gonna help us to be able to serve with the love and service of Jesus through us to touch other people. And so I'm gonna need to lean heavily upon the Spirit of God and turn away from my habitual tendency that has been built up over time, layer upon layer, in habits of serving myself. So I'm the number one reason serving is hard. So point number one was serving, uh, true serving is self-giving love. Point number two is counterfeit serving is selfie service. And point number three is servant is our very nature. 
Now, I've chosen very nature very carefully here on purpose, and we'll get to that in a moment. This is the main point of the entire series that'll take four weeks, if I remember correctly. And here's, this, here's the main point on the screen. I'm going to elaborate. Jesus not only taught us to serve, he saved us so that we are able to serve God and people according to our very nature as human beings. We were created to serve and saved to serve as Jesus himself served. Ponder that. So we were created to serve, and then we got all twisted up and in our sinful ways become self-serving, all of us, because of Adam's sin. We're born into a self-serving, serving the wrong thing mode. If we're honest, we'll see it. But Jesus died for that, serving us, setting us free from that, so that we can serve in our very nature as intended by God, created and now saved for serving. Okay, I hope that makes sense. We're gonna contrast the way of the world with the way of Jesus right now. It's a real stark contrast. The world is very clear over and over again, you should be self-serving. And Jesus gives us a whole different way of living. It's so counterintuitive that it smacks against what the world thinks to the degree that we want to fight with Jesus. That doesn't make sense. It can't be right. But let's listen carefully to see if it is right. And if it does make sense. I've picked one verse of many um, that, where Jesus teaches, but I'm gonna use Matthew 10, 39 at this point. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Now, if that's not the starkest way to put it, I don't know which verse to use. And then I highlighted the phrase, for me. Jesus challenges us to live for him, to make sacrifices for him, to live life of self-giving love for him. Who does he think he is? God? Think about that. He's giving us the definition of what it means to be human. And that if we're busy clinging to our life, trying to save our life, trying to live for self-interest, and it's all about me, he's saying we're gonna miss it completely. If you wanna really learn what life is about and really live life, you're gonna live it for me. Who does he think he is? He thinks he's the unique, one and only son of God who has come to save you so that you can live the way he has called you to live. The way God has designed you to live, that we're so broken because of the way we've undone everything. He had to come in our place as the second Adam to live it out correctly, and to ransom us from the slavery in which we've given ourselves to as servants to the wrong thing. So that we could become, once again, servants of who? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which means he's master. So if you ever hear a preacher only describe salvation as turning to the Savior, and he doesn't 
points you towards bowing to your master, which includes obedience and living for him, you're falling far short of what it means to live life truly, abundantly, fully, and joyfully. We have been designed to be self-giving in our serving love, that true life is lived for Jesus. Jesus might put it this way. I have to be careful to put words into Jesus' mouth, but I'm, I'm trying to put the kinds of things he said in these puzzles, these mystery statements, in a clear statement. He's saying, if you stop living for you and start living for me, you'll discover life as it's meant to be. Didn't he say something like that, in other words? Learn to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. If you stop living for you and start living for me, you're going to discover what life is meant to be. That's what he's saying. Now, that statement in the middle of the vacuum is just confusing. Do this for me. Give up your life for me. It's like it would be really confusing if that's all you heard. But he taught and taught and taught and then his apostles taught further, and finally we get the clarity of what this is all about after he rises from the dead, after he's crucified to redeem us out of our slavery from sin and death. And then it starts to make crystal clear sense. And I want to point us to a passage that's a classic passage about what did Jesus come to do? How did he do this? And it was so classic that it, a lot of the scholars believe this was an ancient hymn, a song that was sung among the churches right away that Paul is now quoting. It's Philippians 2, 3 through 11. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Now we're looking at a statement that's describing Jesus' life while he came to earth in the flesh as a man. So although previous to that he was in very nature God, he doesn't use his very nature as God to his own advantage while he, now we read the next statement, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. I'm gonna pause right here. It was that verse that struck me this go around. Um, you don't really need to know the background, how I pick a series and how it comes about, and a lot of times it doesn't matter. But I'm, I've been working on memorizing this passage. And in memorizing this passage, I had always learned this passage 
to articulate that Jesus was God. That who, being in very nature God, this go around, it struck me that he is the very definition of what it means to be human. I mean, look at, we will look at it in a moment, so let me just keep reading, then I'll look at it. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, by the way, that covers it all. His name is above all. Everybody bows to Jesus. When everybody bows to some entity being, everybody, that means he's God. And worshiped. You don't worship anything but God, okay? Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now we're gonna freeze frame on verses five through seven. I've truncated it so we can see it here together. Verses five through seven. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. The very nature, he is God. But he made himself nothing to become man. So in very nature, what does it mean to be man? In very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. If you're human, you are a servant. If you're human, you've been designed to serve God. If you're human, you've been designed to serve God and love people. That's what you're designed for in your very nature. I am a servant. And when I blow it there, it's not that I'm not serving. I'm serving the wrong thing. You see what I'm getting at? That's what we got to understand. If you don't serve God, you're gonna serve something else and it'll enslave you. Period. So let's put this together a little bit. On the screen, Jesus became like us so that we could become a servant like him. How did he do that? On the screen, Jesus took off the glory of his very nature as God to put on the glory of the very nature of humanity, a glory that was previously damaged by Adam and Eve affecting all of us. Next screen, what is the glory of humanity? To truly love and serve God and people. This is what God designed us for and what he saved us for. But it leaves me with this huge question. Why would Jesus leave heaven and all his glory in his very nature as God? Did you know that other scriptures are very clear that when the universe was created, Jesus was creating it? It's not just God the Father. All things are created through Jesus the Word. When God the Father speaks, Jesus is active because he's the word of God. He's the communication of God. God's son, always preexistent with the Father. 
Why would he who knew the Father from eternity past and living in perfect unity in the Trinity set aside the glory of heaven and enter into the dumpster of humanity and dumpster dive to save us? Why? You know what this means? When he became obedient to death, even the death on the cross, what this means is, on the screen, you and I are more sinful than we ever dared believe. And you and I cannot fix ourselves. If we could fix ourselves, Jesus would have never had to have done this. So if you think any self-help book can be found out there to fix yourself and make yourself approved by God, why would God send his son? to dumpster dive to save anybody out of the cesspool of the sinful world that we have made of it. Not only are we more sinful than we dared believe, but you and I are more loved than we dared hope. You know what this is in one statement? This is the gospel. This is the good news that God loved us so much he sent his son to die for us. As a man in our place, not only showing us the way, but now because of his death, burial, and resurrection and the transaction that can take place, we literally can receive the empowerment of the Spirit now indwelling a holy house made clean by the washing of the blood of Jesus so that his spirit can live in us to live out this new servanthood that is holy unto God and worship a God in a holy way made clean and pure by what Jesus has done when we turn ourselves over to Jesus. Now, this next portion that I want to just go through rather quickly, it's, I, I, I like it because I'm visual. Don't get hung up on it if you're not, okay? I just wanted to point out something, and I've pointed it out before. Years ago, some of you might recognize this. I want to show you our logo. Verde Valley Christian Church. We got a funny little logo over there. Here's a little close-up view of the logo. Um, it looks a little bit like a stealth bomber. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next screen. It's, a, it, it's not a stealth bomber. Uh, can you show it up here? Um, it's really not a stealth bomber. Uh, it's a, if you can see it, it's an arrow that's pointing up and to the right. Can you see that? That's what the positive shape kind of makes us see. Now, if you don't see what I'm about to show you next, I'll, I'll kind of lead you in it. Do you see the negative shape that forms the arrow that's up and to the right? The negative space, the negative shape actually is, I'm gonna help you here in the next slide. Here's the negative space that is the steps behind the arrow. So in the steps behind the arrow, it's starting from the top and moving down, down, down. We just read a passage about what Jesus did. He came from heaven at the highest place and stepped down dumpster diving to save us and stepped down to serve us and he kept stepping down. So he steps down to become a embryo <laughs> and then a baby, helpless. God, his son, 
steps down to a place of helplessness to be cared for by a teenage mom who then steps into ministry to continue that service downward for the likes of us, even to the point of stepping downward to the point of dying on a cross for us, saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He kept stepping down, down, down. Therefore, God highly exalted him. He lifted him up to the place that is above all places and gave him the name that is above all names. And so the stepping down process is how Jesus was exalted up and to the right. Do you see that? So I just want to share with you our core statements now. They're difficult. They're challenging. Love God wholeheartedly. Do first things first. Don't do life alone. Save people, serve people. Followers say, follow me. All of that's stepping down, 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 down. It's not stepping up as if you can achieve salvation. We can't. Jesus achieved it for us, but as we follow in his example, we have the same mindset as Jesus in our relationships with one another. Just as he stepped down, we stepped down. Just as he served, we served. We served the least of these for him. When we serve the least of these, we're serving him. This is Jesus speaking. And so it's a very challenging walk to humble yourself before God, but to humble yourself before God as Jesus humbled himself before all beings is precisely how we move up and to the right and have a life that is honoring God and honoring to ourselves because that's what we're created for. How are we gonna finish this message? I wanna challenge us to pray. So on the screen is a prayer, and in your, I don't think we put it in the paper outline, but we did put it in the digital outline, I believe, is a lengthy prayer, and if you don't have access to it right now, grab a hold of access to it, save it on your phone, or ask me for it or something, we'll get, we'll get it to you. Would you just pray this with me? Actually, you know what? If you don't mind, let's stand together. It's gonna be on the screen. If you don't wanna pray this, you're not ready to pray, yes, I am a servant, yes, I'm gonna serve you, that's basically what the prayer is gonna say. If you're not ready to pray that, don't pray it. But if you're ready to pray that, I want you to pray this prayer with me as I pray it. Okay, ready? Out loud. My Lord Jesus Christ, Thank you for restoring my very nature as a servant through your saving life, death, and resurrection. I bow my knee before you and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I worship and serve you as my Lord and Savior. I confess I still have trouble valuing others above myself. I still frequently look to my own interests rather than the interests of others. Thank you for your forgiveness in washing me clean. Fill me with your love and your life by the resurrection power of your spirit placed within me. I am your servant. I offer myself to you. I will serve, honor, and obey you. Here am I, send me. I pray this in the name that is exalted above every other name, the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. All right, here am I, send me. And here are you, I'm sending you. All right, serve, serve, serve. 
If you need prayer for any reason, we've got a prayer team to the left of the stage. I would love to pray for you about whatever it is that you need prayer for. Hope to see you again next week for the next installment of I Am a Servant. God bless you. Have a great week.